When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi guys, this is Ted from Fantasy Football Scout and you're listening to Ted Talks FPL. If you prefer to watch live, I stream over on YouTube every Monday. So head over there and search for Fantasy Football Scout. Thanks for listening. What's going on FPL managers? Welcome to another video and podcast from Fantasy Football Scout. My name is Ted. You can find me on Twitter at Ted Talks FPL. And today I'm going through my Game Week 3 transfers. I've got two free transfers in the bank. No idea what to do with them. So we're going to look through some key stats, some key hot topics, some players to discuss, loads of graphics, just to help me out with my transfers. And hopefully it helps your decision making out too. But without further ado, let's get into it and uh, I've got my team up here. So far a fairly decent game week two, uh, another green arrow. So um, a healthy rank at the moment um, from a pretty templatey team, it has to be said, big at the back. Um, it does create some difficulties, it has to be said. The um, the inflexibility is, is, you know, biting me, but I've got to be happy with how it's doing. Uh, the wing backs at the moment seem to be fantastic. Um, double city defense seems to be so strong at the moment, but but Diaz doesn't really offer that um, that attacking threat that I'm looking for. And for six million, it is quite expensive. So it's it's weird. I think he seems to be the only make weight in the team. Uh, for the benefit of the podcast viewers, I'll just go through the team. We've got Ramsdale and goal, um, Robertson, Alexander Arnold, Reese James, Diaz, and Cancelo from City, and then Salah, Martinelli, Bailey which is the main problem in the side, it has to be said. And then Jesus and Haaland. Um, So yeah, looking at Hasala captain against Man United, I think that seems like a pretty sensible option at the moment, given Man United's defensive frailties at the moment. Haaland against Newcastle is certainly an option, but we have seen that certain games don't suit him as well as others. So maybe Newcastle away is the same sort of thing. Um, Jesus against Bournemouth is a very legitimate captain option. So put the vice on him. But certainly going back to the video last week, looking at how we look at the teams and go, right, what are the weak points? Bailey is definitely the weak point. He's he's sort of lost his place now. Um, he, he comes on for maybe the last 20 minutes in a game. Villa don't look amazing um but he needs to go uh, the problem is that there aren't too many options at 5.5 million so i've got i've got 0.5 in the bank bailey is 5 million i've got to watch the the price drops as well because it looks like he might be dropping in the next few days keep an eye on that um but the players that i think probably are more exciting and that i can reasonably access from from my team structure are around the 6 6.5 million 
mark with some other uh, enabling transfers to get there. Um, so the only really the wiggle room here is Diaz down to the likes of Cucurella, who did impress for Chelsea at the weekend. And, and Tuchel's comments were pretty promising. And I think his versatility, he probably could play left centre-back if Chilwell starts one game. But I think at the moment, it seems like Cucurella is going to get that starting left wing bat spot. And he, he got an assist at the weekend, so what's not to like? Um, obviously, the only downside is that you're moving a City defender um, who are just so solid at the moment. So, um, But at the end of the day, I need some cash to upgrade the rest of the team. So I think that's probably going to be one of my transfers this week. Uh, and the likes of you know Ramsdale and Diaz, for example, is quite an expensive um, double arm. You could easily go Edison and Saliba if you wanted a City and Arsenal um, combination, and that saves about a million. Um, so maybe I end up you know, bringing Edison in in goal, along with Cucurella for Diaz, um, and that creates a double Liverpool, double City, double Chelsea backline, which is pretty strong. Loads of wing-backs and Edison in goal. So I might end up with that, um, but for the flexibility purposes, I think I need to maybe just make one transfer this week, and that might be Diaz down to Cucurella, because we'll go through some of the stats coming up. Um, Some of the players I'm looking at aren't proven, consistent point scorers, and it does create an element of doubt in my mind about whether they're just bandwagons, whether they're going to consistently, um, you know, pull through with points in their coming fixtures. So we will will look at that. so yes, I am going to move on to the first chart, which is a defence chart. And the first, I think we're going to make this a consistent thing in TED Talks every week. We're going to look at the weak defences and we're going to continually update those um, every week just to just to see like who are the defences to target, who are the weak points. So we've got on this chart, we've got small chances conceded across the bottom, big chances conceded across the top. So players towards the right conceded lots of volume of chances. Players towards the top have conceded the big ones, the the easy ones, the the, the chances that the attackers should be scoring against uh, these teams are conceding them. And we can see Leicester and West Ham top there of of big chances conceded, i.e. worst teams. But it has to be said, Leicester just played Arsenal and West Ham played um, City in game we won. So maybe it's slightly um, skewed and obviously... The big caveat is two two game weeks is a small sample size. This this chart is going to be heavily skewed by fixture difficulty. Um, you know, I mean, Man United don't have any excuses. Southampton played Spurs. Everton played Chelsea. Um, Forest don't really have any excuses either. So I, I've boiled down the worst six or seven teams here to be Leicester, Everton, Man United, Southampton, Leeds, Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth. I think they're the worst defences at the moment. Um, the likes of Wolves, Aston Villa, Brentford, Palace, Fulham, I think are about okay. And that probably the same goes for West Ham. I need some more information um, to be able to maybe start considering those guys. But it's very clear to see that Man City are, the, are far and away the strongest defence here, miles away from the pack, haven't even conceded a big chance yet, and only have have conceded four, 4.5, I think it is, small chances conceded per appearance, so that's per game, which is just nothing, that they're really 
um, not letting the teams in. You know, it has to be said, West Ham were pretty poor in that first game and Bournemouth don't really offer that attacking threat that other teams do. So maybe again, that fixture difficulty is flattering to deceive there. Um, But I'm going to continue to have Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs as the top defences. It's really that fifth uh, that sixth spot, I should say, with Palace. I think Brighton are up there. They've been really good, really solid. Um, it's whether they they flop back into their old ways and start that underperformance malarkey. But at the moment, there's no reason to suspect that with two, a really, really good two performances against Man United and Newcastle. So I think Brighton are definitely one to consider for defensive. If you've got Sanchez in goal at 4.5, you should be pretty happy, I think. Um, so... With that information, I'm going to be looking at the fixtures uh, for certain teams that are playing the worst six or seven defences here. The the Leicesters, Everton, Man United, Southampton, Leeds, Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest. Those fixtures specifically for teams in the next six game weeks. And um, I'm just going to transition here. So I've got the fixture chart up here. I've got this, the top Top seven teams in their fixture difficulties playing the worst seven teams in the league. And these guys all have to play these teams, these bad defences, three times in the next six game weeks. Arsenal there uh, with Bournemouth in game week three and then Man United and Everton in game week six and seven, respectively. Brentford and Brighton are up there um, with good fixtures. Uh, I think Brighton's other fixtures, it has to be said, game week three is West Ham, game week five is Fulham, game week eight is Palace. So if you add those middling fixtures to these really good ones, Brighton's fixtures on the whole are excellent. And we've got to be, I know it is ridiculous to say, but I'm genuinely considering Pascal Gross as a a Bailey replacement. And we're going to talk about him and stats wise, but I was watching the highlights and both, he was playing in the front three, uh, to the right of the front three in both games, getting forward plenty, having quite a lot of chances. I think Welbeck is a much better forward for him to play with uh, than the Morpai, who's a little bit more selfish. Welbeck tends to hold the ball up and pass uh, to the wings. So we'll see whether Gross continues to uh, keep up with this certainly underlying performance, but obviously those two goals in Man United stands out. And he did miss a glaring opportunity against Newcastle as well. So definitely eyes on him. He's on the watch list and Brighton's fixtures are excellent. I did mention Tony there. Um, sorry, I did mention Brentford there, I should say. Uh, Tony and Mbomo, they look good. They look good. I, I'm really not sure I'm going to be falling into that Mbomo trap considering hit, that narrative last year about hitting the post a million times. I'm not sure I'd ever be comfortable bringing someone like him in but Tony I could consider him I think that 7.5 price tag is quite difficult for me to get to so I think I'm going to have to compromise and go for someone a little bit cheaper Um, we've got Forrest next I'm not uh, there's not too many people I mean maybe Lingard I got an assist weekend but I don't think Forrest offer too much going forward. I mean, their goal was a tad fortunate, a deflection um, off the defender that bounced onto uh, Awonyai. Terrible, terrible pronunciation, I'm sure. But um, yeah, not not massively enamoured with Forrest's attack. So I'm probably going to steer, steer clear there. Chelsea next. The next three fixtures for Chelsea are prime attacking um, potential. Leeds, Leicester, Southampton, game week three, game week four, game week five. And it kind of makes me want Cucurella more because I think Chilwell's still suffering from 
um, rhythm issues, from fitness issues. That's what Tuchel's been saying in um, some of the press conferences, some interviews, some post-match interviews. I think Cucurella and Reese James double up seems to be a really good uh, and, you know, pretty affordable uh, double up. So I, I'm kind of keen there. Uh, I'm not really enamoured with any of the Chelsea attackers. Sterling's too expensive. Mount has been a little bit off the boil, uh, likewise Havertz. So I think the wing backs look a really good option there. Um, Leeds have a good set of three of those poor uh, bottom seven fixtures. But they come a little bit later in this next six fixture run. So Everton in game week five, Nottingham Forest in game week seven and Man United in game week eight. Uh, They've got Chelsea in game week three. So the likes of Rodrigo, who has raised his head um, and said, you you know, pick me if you fancy Premier League teams, you know, with his three goals over the last two game weeks. Is his underlying performance sustainable? Is is this performance sustainable? Can we pick Rodrigo with, with... we don't know how um, bad Bamford's injury is, but could Rodrigo be the guy that we look to? He's already gone up in price. I think he's 6.1 now. So difficult to get to if you've got those 0.5, you're missing out by 0.1. So, but then again, I'm not sure I want to be bringing him in for Chelsea necessarily. Uh, I think the run after Chelsea is good. So it kind of makes me think that I want to wait one more week, especially with Brighton against West Ham in game week three. Brighton and Leeds, the likes of Pascal Gross, the likes of Rodrigo. If you're looking at bringing in these guys, maybe it's worth waiting one more week to do so because both of them, both teams have a great fixture run after after game week three. And then Liverpool, um, bottom here, I think most of us have have triple Liverpool. Really difficult to shift uh the, the third choice Liverpool player you've got on your side, whether it's Diaz, whether it's Robertson, whether it's Darwin Nunes, I think whoever you've picked out of those three, I think you just got to stick with them because tearing your team up to move to the next bandwagon Liverpool player um, is tough and it's sort of wasting transfers. So I'm, I've got Robertson. I'm pretty happy with him. Let's see what what's happens uh, tonight at Palace. I, I just can't see Robertson being an issue going forward unless obviously he's got an injury or something. So... Let's see what happens. I think, bottom line, if you're looking for an enabler, if you're looking for a replacement for a player that hasn't really worked, look for teams like Brentford, Brighton, Leeds for those cheaper players. I think they look to be uh, the go-to. So we're going to look at the next stats table here, and we've got um, a momentum chart. And this is something I couldn't do last week because I didn't have two game weeks worth of data. And, I mean, yes, again, we're looking at stats. The big caveat is small sample size. Normally, this momentum uh, chart would be better with four game weeks, the last four game weeks versus the previous four. So that's eight game weeks of data in total. We've only got two total. So it's a big caveat. What this basically states and shows is how the players have changed in their underlying stats, their non-penalty XGI and their non-penalty attacking returns from from game week one to game week two. And we can see, excuse me, we can see Gabriel Jesus at the top there. No surprise, four attacking returns in game week two, whereas he didn't get any in game week one. Um, these stats are obviously per 90, so their minutes are going to adjust this slightly. Um, Foden there, he I think he got a couple of attacking returns as well. Could have got one more if he'd passed the damn ball to Haaland. I think everyone was screaming at the telly when he didn't do that, um, especially all of our Sal- um, Haaland captainers. 
Buendia is top right as well. But again, you can see below his name, he's only got 31 game with two minutes. So that, that per 90 stats is really being um, enlarged artificially there. He got his goal um, with, from that Watkins assist. So I'm not I'm not going to be you know going after Buendia or anything, especially as he might not retain that that um that spot um because it, I don't think he even started the game. So um we've got Watkins there, we've got Gundogan, maybe Gundogan Gundogan um create some sort of bandwagon at some point, but I think you know probably the double city defense and either De Bruyne or Haaland is probably the way to go. Reese James there, nice um XGI um as soon as he switched to right wing back, he was just infinitely better. I don't know why Tuchel just doesn't play them there all the time. Whether he's still struggling for fitness, I, I kind of don't get that narrative though, because he's he's sort of playing multiple positions positions during the game. He's playing ninety minutes both games as well. I, maybe just playing right wing back for the full ninety minutes is probably the most taxing, uh, and that's maybe why he's playing in multiple different positions. But it's without a doubt when he plays that right wing back spot. He's going to get attacking returns, not to mention the, the Chelsea clean sheet. So, um, you know, really happy owning. If you don't own him, you know, you've, you've got to look at bringing him, in it, bringing him in along with maybe Cucurella. So, so see what you can do. We've got Rodrigo there. And this is the guy I'm talking about. You know, 1.6 XGI in game week two. That's non-penalty. Um, he didn't get really anything in, in, in game week one, having although he did score, I think. So that, that improvement, stats-wise, is, is being reflective here. So it's a really difficult one. I really don't know whether Rodrigo is, is a trap, whether he's just you know scored some goals and people will flock to him. I really don't know. I think, I think I'm settling on the fact that I need one more game week to assess these, these guys. I've got Pascal Gross at the bottom there. Um, interesting, he, he had pretty much the same XGI in game week one, so that 1.1 non-penalty XGI he sort of maintained that against Newcastle played 90 minutes the only difference is why he's at the bottom of the graph is that obviously he didn't get anything any attacking returns in game week two that's why he's he's at the bottom but in terms of his underlying stats he's maintained them which is pretty encouraging I'd rather have a player that consistently registers the same level of attacking potential from game to game rather than someone that's just recently explode, exploded with two goals like Rodrigo has in one game. So I feel like I'm sort of talking myself into Pascal Gross, but again, I think I need just one more game week worth of data uh, against West Ham just to see what's going on with Brighton. Are they genuinely the real deal or have they just played against a really flattering Man United opponent and fairly adequate Newcastle side let's see let's wait and see um we've got Haaland there you know a little bit of reduction in XGI I think he he, he struggled with getting the ball uh to, on too many occasions I think the game seemed to suit De Bruyne and, and Foden a little bit more um but this could all have changed if um if Haaland had had that tap in that Foden would have passed to him. So, you know, I'm not too worried. I don't think anyone's looking to ship out Haaland. I think if you've either got De Bruyne or Haaland, you're fine. So, yeah, I, I think this momentum graph does a decent job in just saying like what's changed. Um, have a look for yourself. You know, you've got Pedro Neto there in the, in the middle. Hasn't changed um, too much. He's an option at 5.5. He did have some decent chances in that game. Not overly convinced by Wolves. 
um, and that tends to get taken off around the 70, 75 minutes. So not ideal. Um, you'll have a look at the rest of the players here and maybe the likes of Mbomo, Tony, um, <laughs> Mitrovic. It's interesting, actually, Mitrovic only 0.2 XGI in game week two. And it was the same in game week one. You know, his his goal was, was quite a, a difficult chance. Obviously, the ch- the two chances he's had, which were penalties, obviously go down as a much, much higher XGI. But how many penalties is he going to get this season? You know, not that teams don't get too many penalties and Fulham have already got two. So maybe they have a bumper season for penalties and Mitrovic absolutely cleans up. But for his, uh, you know, open play goal threat, he hasn't actually shown that much just yet. And while Fulham's fixtures are, you know, maintained to be quite difficult, I'm going to be just biding my time with Mitrovic. I think definitely from the likes of game week seven, game week eight, he could be a really good option. But let's look at just the stats from the last two game weeks on the whole. Who's really standing out here? Um, and so we've got chances created across the bottom on per, per appearance basis, number of shots towards the top and inside the bubbles. We've got XG on penalty on the top and expected assists on the bottom. So we've got De Bruyne furthest right for chances created. Madison the best, <clears throat> excuse me, Madison best for chances created and number of shots, but as mentioned last week, that XGI is pretty low on the whole. So showing an average, a small average. So it means he, he tends to shoot pretty far out. Um, Gabriel Jesus, top for shots. A one XGI, a one XG non-penalty per appearance um, is pretty strong. He seems to be the standout forward at the moment, even over Haaland, who's only registering a 0.5 XG non-penalty. Uh, if you compare Haaland and De Bruyne, I don't think that's too much in it, really, because you can see uh, Haaland's got slightly more shots. De Bruyne's got way more chances created. So I think De Bruyne, for, from a quantity perspective, is doing much, much better than Haaland. But Haaland is crucially going to get that higher XG because he's going to be shooting much closer to goal uh, with the likes of De Bruyne and Foden and Mahrez and Grealish feeding him into that central section. Um, obviously not mentioning here, Haaland is also on penalties. So I think it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. If you own either of them, you should be fairly happy. And um, yeah, we've got Rodrigo there below Jesus and Nunes. Um, pretty decent for a number of shots per appearance. You know, that's you know, it's just under four shots per appearance and a pretty healthy XG on penalty. So he, he does raise a decent um, opportunity for us FPL managers. I, I think I still need more time, as I keep saying, to just assess these guys. We are not completely sure of, you know, he wasn't, he's not a proven FPL asset in previous seasons, nor is Pascal Gross to a certain extent. I mean, he's been around, but has he consistently registered you know, return after return in every game. Not really. So, yeah, we've got Pascal Gross in the centre there, just under Son and Kane, next to Reese James and Gundogan. Um, pretty good for chances created, but also pretty good for number of shots as well. It's pretty impressive. 0.7 XG on penalty, 0.3 expected assists. That's better than Rodrigo. Um, so those chances, the average chance seems to be a higher, higher quality. Um, but plenty of other players to discuss here. I mean, Welbeck's up there. Are we ever going to talk about Welbeck? I'm not sure. <laughs> it seems like we're scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of attacking talent here. We're looking at Pascal Gross and Rodrigo, but also Danny Welbeck. So I don't really know what I'm doing. I think um, I'm going to end up 
probably doing Diaz to Cucurella and then waiting one more week just to see whether anyone else raises their head above the parapet to, uh, you know, put their put their name in the ring. Let's just say that. Because everyone else, I guess, is pretty underwhelming. Like Foden, yes, but I don't know what, how often he starts with a Grealish. He shares minutes with Grealish. He got taken off at 45 minutes at the weekend. So I don't know whether that was because they were just easily winning and just to give Grealish a bit more, a few more minutes. Um, but we'll see. And um, yeah, like Reese James, I think is up there just behind Sterling. It's just, it's just ridiculous to pay 10 million for Sterling when you can get Reese James for six plus the clean sheets. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit of a strange one. Um, Kulisevsky seems to have fallen off a tiny bit after his excellent game week one performance. Spurs have got a decent fixture run uh, in the next four um, after their game at Chelsea. So the people looking at Perisic, I really, really would warn on bringing him in without seeing him start yet. I think I need to see him start the next game and maybe even the game after that, just to assure myself that he's now a regular starter and then he's a consistent. He's, he's dropped in price to 5.4 now. So even if he... He does start next game and get another price rise. You're still going to be buying him for 5.5 again in a couple of game weeks' time. I think Cucurella is equally uh, as good an option as a full-fledged Perisic um, and for 0.5 cheaper. So that's probably the route I'm heading. Um, so yes, I think that's probably what I'm going to be doing. And I think I'm going to just go back to my to my team, actually, um, just, to, just to go through my options. So we've got got this 5-3-2. And so the options I'm currently thinking about, I could just keep Bailey for one more week and do two frees. I could do Diaz to Cucurella and Ramsdale up to, to Edison. But I think that Ramsdale up to Edison is a pretty luxury move considering Ramsdale has Bournemouth away in game week three. So I think probably Diaz down to Cucurella and then rolling the other free transfer allows me to either do... Ramsdale to Edison next week and Bailey up to Pascal Gross or um, just doing Bailey up to like Rodrigo or something um, and rolling the other free transfer next week or if I want to get a forward that's around 6.5 million I think I could probably use those two free transfers to get Bailey down to a, a 4.4 4.5 um, maybe even a De Silva if, if I can afford the 4.6 and then um, Archer up to like Mitrovic or something like that. I think that's probably what I need to do because I'm never going to be able to get something more expensive than that. So Diaz has to go down to create that those funds. I'm never going to be getting up to an 8 million midfielder or even, you know, like a Darwin at 9 million forward. I'm just not going to be able to afford that. So I think that is probably my price range. That's 6 to 6.5 million forward or midfielder I want one more game week to assess I think and um, the the only way I'm going to be doing that is Diaz down to Cucurella which I think I'm pretty comfortable with and yeah I guess another reason why not to bring Rodrigo straight in is that he's playing Chelsea and I'm going to be bringing in a double Chelsea defence so I, I know if you're thinking about optimal transfer strategy each player should be independent but emotion is an important part of this game and enjoyment watching at the weekend. I'm, I'm not going to be wanting to, you know, support Rodrigo to knock out my double Chelsea clean sheet. So, yeah, yeah, bit of a <laughs> a strange one. But I think that's probably what I'm going to be settling on. Diaz down to Cucurella. 
um, and then probably play Andreas ahead of Bailey because I'm not sure Bailey reclaims his starting spot against Palace and Palace is quite a difficult game so Andreas Pereira um, fitness dependent has to be said he's got a yellow flag at the moment um, against Brentford at home I think it is so I'm probably just going to roll the dice there roll the other free transfer Every single game week we have at the start of the season is more valuable information. You know, three game weeks is, you know, a third better or even 50% better than um, than two game weeks. So I think I'm just going to hold on, make one free transfer to enable future moves, as I keep saying. And that is all. So, yes, um, a short one from me. I'm quite liking these short um, soliloquy digests So get my my head in order, see what I'm going to be doing for my for my team. Just to look at the, those stats, they're going to help me out. In future game weeks, I'm going to be looking at under and over performance on teams and players to see whether those, those, um, those under and over performances are sustainable going forwards. We've been looking at um, their performance, their XG Delta from previous seasons to just cross-check, to just sense-check whether these guys are actually legitimate options. But with such few data at the moment, such little data, it, um, it's very difficult to do at the moment. So I think saving a transfer this week is definitely the best option. And yes, I would counsel prudence for anyone else um, who immediately wants to get on that Pascal Gross train, because I could easily do um, Diaz down to Cucurella and Bailey up to Pascal Gross. I could do that this week. But I'm committing. I'm committing to Pascal Gross. I don't want to move him on in, in future weeks. I need this player, this new player that I'm bringing in, to be in my team for the next five or six game weeks. And if he starts letting me down, it's just another problem waiting to be solved. And I, I don't want that. So I think maybe one more week and I'll be happy after West Ham away, which is quite a difficult fixture anyway. Um, okay, thank you so much for joining me, guys. And... Um, Please make sure to subscribe if you are new around here. Make sure that you're kept up to date with all the fantastic content that Fantasy Football Scout uh, do on a week, on a daily basis, actually, ranging from uh, hot topics, team selections, stats and predicted lineups. Basically everything that you need for a successful FPL season. If you've enjoyed the video, please make sure to give it a like and um, yeah, really appreciate your support. And um, yeah, best of luck for game week three. See you guys. Bye.